Sound of Hockey bonus episode. We're calling this one the Jagger Furcus episode. Why are we calling it that, John? Well, Jagger Furcus, uh-huh. which people might not know the name yet, he was drafted 35th overall in this year's 2022 NHL entry draft. By whomst? By your Seattle Kraken. You don't say. Uh, that's very exciting stuff. And just first impressions on him. We really like him. He's got a hell of a look. He's missing a tooth. He's got a very orangish mustache, but also he's pretty well-spoken. You know, a lot of times those press conferences from recently drafted players don't come across very well, and he gave a pretty fun press conference, which we we got to review. Uh, So big fan of him, and welcome the Circus Furcus. (laughs) Furcus Circus? I think it's Furcus Circus to Seattle. So, uh, hey, this is Sound of Hockey. I am Darren Brown, at Darren Funbrown on the Twitter, joined as always by Andy Ide. Hello, Andy. Hello, everyone. I'm Andy Ide at Andy Ide on the Twitter. John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. I'm NHL 2 on the Twitter. Whoa! Record scratch. That's not Andy Ide. Back it up, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Instead, that is Curtis Izaki, uh, our good friend at Deep Sea Hockey on the Twitter, who is joining us in Andy's place today. Hello, Curtis. How are you doing? Hello, everyone. Good, good. Fun day. Yeah, fun day. Uh, So you've been doing a lot of contributions for us at Sound of Hockey. Uh, You've been putting out some great stuff. So if you're not following Curtis on the old Twitter uh, at Deep Sea Hockey, give him a follow. Give him a read of all his stuff on soundofhockey.com because it's very intuitive, uh, informative, great stuff. Thanks for being a part of it. And we're happy to have you here as a co-host today. Not really a guest. You're a co-host. What are your thoughts, first of all, on uh, Bardown Studios, your first glimpse inside? (laughs) Uh, everything that I hoped it would be. Yeah, uh, I mean, listener out there, just use your use your imagination. It's mm-hmm. it's everything what do you, you can imagine. What do you see? Tell the listeners a little bit. <laughs> yeah, this is. I it's, remember I it's took strangely a strangely dark. Uh huh. Um, you know, the brightness of the souls really keep the room well going. said. Yes. What I love about it is that even on the hottest of days, it's a good like forty degrees colder. <laughs> down here it is nice down here it's comfortable it's very comfortable today on a toasty day in seattle uh and we are coming to you from seattle i already mentioned we're in bardown studios and it is draft day the uh day two of the nhl entry draft has just finished uh so we're giving you some reactions here and we thought based on the cadence of how things are are shaking out for uh the kraken and for the nhl in the next week we felt like it was going to be a weird gap if we waited until when we would normally record, like a Monday, Tuesday night. So we're recording now, giving you a little something extra. It's not going to be a typical show where we have seg bits and all that stuff. We're just going to run through some fun stuff that we... Just freelancing uh, right exactly. now. Yeah, we're just going for it. That's what we're doing. Um, and we're happy to be here with you all. So I don't know if you guys heard this, <laughs> but with the number four overall pick, the Seattle Kraken got Shane Wright, just as we all expected. Right, Curtis? Uh, absolutely. I yeah. definitely pre-wrote a piece about <laughs> drafting Shane Wright. Yeah. So that's a little peek behind the curtain at Sound of Hockey. Uh, we thought that we were being super smart. So Curtis, you cleverly pre-wrote three or four uh, draft, like instant reaction profile type things that we were, as soon as that pick got announced, we were going to hit publish and we were going to be the first ones to break the news online that uh, so-and-so had been selected. And instead, they selected a player that none of us thought had any chance to actually fall to the Kraken, right? So there were a few mock drafts out there that had that uh, happening, but I I got to say, I truly did not think that was happening. And man, it feels like an absolute steal for Seattle. Am I am I right to think that? 
Yeah. Uh, so uh, Corey Pronman was the most notable one from The Athletic, was the most notable source out there that suggested that this was a possibility that maybe if Shane Wright got past number one, he might end up all the way as far down as number four. But I kind of discounted it. I didn't think it was a possibility. Shane Wright falling down to number four is, in my opinion, an incredible boon for the Kraken, and for no other reason than the positional value of a mm-hmm. center. Uh, it's just a center with the upside to be at the top of your lineup is huge. Well, and some notes about Shane Wright and why it's so exciting that the Kraken ended up with him. First off, he was granted exceptional status in the OHL to join the OHL as a 15-year-old. And like the level of player you have to be at that age to get that status. I mean, we're talking like Connor McDavid level. Now, I don't think he's as good as Connor McDavid by any means. I don't think he ever will be. But he's in that realm. Like that's how good you have to be to get that status Uh you know, I, I, again, I don't think he's going to shape up to be Connor McDavid, but um, I just it's it's phenomenal that uh, that he fell for years. He's been considered like the shoe in to be the number one overall pick. And somehow, some way, just in the last minute, he, he dropped all the way to number four. Uh, the Kraken did not overthink it. They didn't do anything like off the board and surprising. They just said that's the best player available and we're taking him and they didn't uh second guess it didn't hesitate looked like they were right on it. well tee up like the scenario that happened right before the the actual picks are we talking about the trades that happened yeah. yeah so i mean if you were watching the draft which i imagine most kraken fans probably were when they had the number over uh, four overall pick so they went through three picks and it became obviously very clear that Wright was available and Batman gets up on the stage and announces that there's two trades that have been consummated. Right. And I remember we're watching it at John's house here and I was like, Oh God, don't you dare trade the number four yeah. pick. You've got s- Shane Wright in your hands. Don't do something ridiculous here. And like, I, I don't know about you, but I actually felt myself and I don't know if I've ever had much of an emotional reaction to a draft before, but I felt myself feeling kind of nervous. Like my hands were like a little sweaty. I was like, my heart was beating a little bit. It was like I was watching a, a game. Like it was yeah. it was intense. And uh, and sure enough, they didn't do anything ridiculous. They they picked the best player. Well, and then once even backing up a little further, once Nemich was selected number two, mm-hmm. I was like ecstatic because that meant Logan Cooley or Shane Wright. Like, right. Can't go wrong with either of them. Mm-hmm. And that was the worst case scenario was getting whoever Arizona doesn't get. And then when they pick Cooley and Shane Wright opened up, I'm like, oh, my God, we are set center for a bit. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. And now we're looking at Matty Beneers and Shane Wright for many years to come as the one to punch at center. That's pretty incredible. On that topic, though. So, yeah. So Yure Slavkovsky, and I learned his name is pronounced Yure and not Juraj, as I've been calling him for <laughs> months on this podcast. Uh, so he goes number one overall, which, you know, it was surprising, but it wasn't like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Cause we had heard rumblings, right. That yeah. he had probably potentially taken over that top spot. Yeah. And so uh, Corey Pronman, I've now mentioned him twice. Uh-huh. He's not paying me, but, uh, uh he had <laughs> a good we know. piece on that. Yeah. As far as I'm going to disclose, <laughs> uh, he, he had a good piece on this yesterday about, you know, is it a surprise that Yuri Slavkovsky went number one over Shane Wright? And, you know, I think he laid out a pretty Pretty compelling case for those, you know, on the inside uh, looking out that, you know, it was more of a coin flip by the end and folks weren't really surprised when it went the Yuri Slavkovsky route. If you're watching the draft, I think the Montreal Canadiens fans were certainly very surprised and at points disappointed. Um, Well, uh, and they didn't pick a Canadian kid when they could have. They instead picked a Slovak, right? Indeed. Although the Canadians have a good run of high performing European players. So, I mean, you'd think they would remember that. But yeah, no, it it was from the inside, it may have been more expected. From the outside, certainly a surprise. Yeah. So then 
but my point, I think, is that Slavkovsky getting picked wasn't totally shocking, as you just mentioned. But then Nemec goes number two. Right. And so, as you just said, and and again, that wasn't super surprising either, just based on the organizational fit that the Devils had. Clearly, they needed a defenseman here. They didn't need another center. But now we're down to Cooley or Wright. And I was a little surprised personally that Arizona took Cooley over Wright. Curtis, you said you were not terribly surprised by that. How come? So I think that Shane Wright and Logan Cooley are different players. Uh, Logan Cooley has has the sizzle, uh, has the offensive speed pace, puck handling, finishing ability that you look at, anyone can look at a YouTube highlight reel and say, oh, okay, I can see what that is. Shane Wright's game uh, is a little bit more subtle, more well-rounded. He has a very good shot, but doesn't have the same type of flashy breaks, flashy puck handling plays, things of that nature. Uh, to fill up a highlight reel. And so it really depends on what you look for and what you value. We know a friend of the pod, Chris Peters, had Logan Cooley as Very his... Good. Nice. As, oh, he's a nice. natural. He's, that yeah, was impressive. Quickly. Yeah. All right. As his number one prospect. Uh-huh. He, he thought Logan Cooley's upside, you know, when you look at that offensive skill, was higher. And, you know, this might be my personal bias. I always thought no chance Shane Wright was going to be there for the Kraken at number four. So I didn't really invest in him as much as a prospect. But, you know, when... The Coyotes were on the clock, I have to admit. First time on the pod might be my last time on the pod due to this take. But I must admit that, you know, there was a part of me that thought, well, if the Coyotes take Shane Wright, Logan Cooley will be there. And I'd be very happy with that. Yeah. Uh, So both very good players, but different players. I think the Coyotes might have also had a little bit of investment in the U.S. angle. That that might have been part of it for them. And so my take a little bit is that... This was also a hot take, but I thought it was was clever, John, what you came up with here. I've heard this take before. Okay, okay. Your take. Yeah, okay. So the... uh, the Coyotes are not in win now mode, right? right? They don't they don't necessarily need a player for next year. They need it down the road. And like you said, there's there's some sizzle factor with Cooley. Apparently, the word around the campfire is he's got a higher upside potentially, right? He's smaller right now, but give him time to develop, he should do well. So they don't necessarily need right. And if they get somebody who can play this this year, they're kind of get get roughed up basically the team's expected to be horrible again this year. That is Arizona. So then they select Cooley, who's a couple years out. So that yeah. that's my take. And it's interesting to think about the difference between the two. So for people that don't know, Cooley plays in the national team development program and plays against USHL teams, some college teams, and then kind of the international circuit around that age group. And Shane Wright plays in the OHL, which is a more rigorous kind of lengthier schedule meant to develop you for the NHL specifically yeah and probably plays I wouldn't say necessarily against older players than Cooley would but it's it's a much more talented league and so that might be also a factor in why people think you know you can see highlight reels of Cooley playing against lower-ish competition compared to Shane Wright Mm -hmm. so and then even going back with Shane Wright, Shane Wright literally did not play last year at all because the OHL never never started up during the pandemic. And I'm saying the 2020-2021 season. Well, he and that, that was a big piece definitely that made his stock drop the way that it did because he started the season really slow by his standards is, is what I yeah. kind of read, right? He ended up with, I think, 90, I have it written down here, 90-something points, uh, 94 points in 63 regular season games. That's nothing to sneeze at. But he had a slow start, got high. I don't know, a month or two in and then started producing the way that he had been producing two years ago as a 15 year old. And but so I don't know. I mean, I'm over the moon about it, you know, without knowing that much about 
prospects other than what I can read and what Curtis has taught me over the last <laughs> few weeks. But like that's a scary thought. Robert Cron, you know, the director of amateur scouting. I watched his press conference after day one. He got up to the podium. Allison Lucan stood up. She said, "Hey, how are you feeling right now?" And he said, "Christmas came early." And like he was pumped, right? And you could you could see it in his eyes, and it was genuine. And I think every director of amateur scouting is going to say, "Yeah, we got the guys we wanted." Whatever. It wasn't like that. Like he was, he was thrilled that it happened this way, and and I think Kraken fans should be really excited about it. Uh, now, kind of looking at the outlook here of what is going to happen with Wright, it is possible that he's with the team this coming season. I think that's a very real possibility. I don't think he has much more to prove at the OHL level. He could theoretically go back there. He does not have the option to go to the AHL this season, so that's one difference between picking him and picking somebody with still NCAA eligibility. So. Beneers had the option to go back to the NCAA last season. If he had left and signed with the Kraken, he, I believe, could have gone to the AHL, right, John? Am I correct on that? That's correct, but it would be unlikely that he would do that. Sure. Yeah. And then, so now how it works, though, with Wright is that he can sign right away, which I think he will do. And then the Kraken will have the option to have him play up to nine games. And then they can either keep him for the entire NHL season or they can send him back to junior. And if they send him back to junior after nine or fewer games, they don't use up the first year of his contract, which I think is an interesting wrinkle for young players coming out of the CHL. So uh, that'll be fun to watch. Definitely. If he finds out or if we see that he's on the roster at the beginning coming out of camp, it'll be really interesting to watch if a he's producing. He looks like he fits. And then we'll be definitely debating nine games in. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go back to the OHL? Yeah. And I think he projects to be in the league next year. I think, right? so too. I, I think that's the projection. But in this scenario with it, because of the scenario you just described about he's got nine games to burn before he burns a year of his uh, eligibility, mm-hmm. that essentially is like kind of a long-term tryout to really see how he does in NHL games. Yeah. And people familiar with Matt Barzal, he played in a couple regular season games and then would come back to Seattle. Right. Well, and that happened, remember this past year, we saw it and we talked about it many times on the podcast. Mason McTavish plays right. for the Hamilton yeah. Bulldogs. He came up, played his nine games with the Ducks, actually scored against the Kraken, went back to the OHL and helped take the team to the Memorial Cup. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see that. And we talked to Jared McCann about that. Remember when we had our uh, our interview with him? He called that the most stressful time of his life, I think, because he was an 18-year-old kid trying to prove himself at the NHL level enough to the point that uh, Vancouver would keep him for the whole season. So uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to watch. I always, always love that storyline when it's playing out. Yeah, and it's and we should kind of set expectations, right? Like even if he plays in the NHL next year, we shouldn't expect huge production numbers. You know, this is a long-term play. Yeah, he is yep. 18. Um, <laughs> playing against people that are, you know, 30 mid-20s yeah. to late or mid-30s. Yeah, so let's lower expectations. Even if he makes the team doesn't mean he's going to produce a whole lot. He's He might not be that flashy. And as much as we've tried to downplay Beneers, he kind of showed us something in, in the few games he played, and now yeah. we're, like, super hyped about him. So uh, let's try to keep expectations. I'm saying this more to myself than the listeners. Okay. okay? So, John, you manage expectations. I'm going to really pump things up so that people are way <laughs> overexcited, and then everybody turns on him as soon as he gets here because he doesn't produce the way yeah, they're Yeah, right. Perfect. So, oh, what a what a fluke. We should. No, have I don't. Yeah. I don't think Kraken fans would do that anyway. But. And what what I'll do is focus on the long term. Obviously, that's most important with okay. Shane Wright. And you know, the go back to CHL for another year, play in the NHL. There's kind of you, you hear differing arguments about it. What's better for the development of a player? Is it better to go back and and see if he can reach that next level in the CHL and truly dominate at the level that maybe he didn't this year? Or is it better for him to be in the NHL and not be 
be quote unquote bored in the CHL. I mean, I, you hear differing takes on that, and I've heard differing takes about Shane Wright himself about that. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Will be, you know, it'll be interesting to see what uh, Robert Cron and Ron Francis have to say about that in the next week. Um, uh, so that'll be interesting. You know, just to, as we're wrapping up this, this just occurred to me probably edit this part out. Uh, but uh, as we're wrapping up the Shane Wright conversation, I was thinking back to uh, May 1st. Okay. Uh, do you guys remember what was happening on May 1st of this year? Mm, I Was that, no, I was going to say it's the end of the crack. Lottery? Oh yeah, no, it was the end of the Kraken season. They had to yeah. lose in Winnipeg, oh, right? We were playing the Winnipeg Jets yep. in Winnipeg mm-hmm. up, up in that game. And this was the game that got delayed. This was the game that got delayed, rescheduled. We yeah. were uh, the, the Kraken were winning mm-hmm. and ended up uh, stealing a loss from the jaws of victory. Uh, and as a result, <laughs> losing organically is like we <laughs> yes. like to call it in the Sorry. studio. Yeah, the, yeah, the losing agony, organically. The I like agony it. I like victory. that. Yeah. The agony of victory and the what's the opposite of that? Ecstasy, the, of, ecstasy defeat. of defeat. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and as a result of that defeat, Philadelphia was idle at the time. But as a result of that defeat, the Kraken ended up below uh, the Philadelphia. Flyers in the standings. And so who knows how the lottery would have played out and all of that. But as the lottery did play out, we uh, the Kraken ended up ahead of the Flyers in the draft. And may have gotten the best player in the may, draft. May have gotten result. the best player in the draft as a result. Yeah. A best player in the draft who just happens to wear 51 and minors. What day was it? May 1st, oh, the fifth month, my. the first day. Whoa. That's the type of stuff that occurs to you. In wow. Yeah. That's the kind of analysis we need from deep sea hockey. All right. right we're going to, you said to edit that out. No I'm going to go, do yeah. not edit that out <laughs> yeah. because my mind is on the wall right now. It just was blown. Good stuff oh there, Curtis. Gosh. Man, yeah. I'm really glad we have you here for for that because that, uh, that was helpful. So one other thing that I wanted to mention on this is, so that's two years in a row now where the Kraken did not have the number one pick and some people would argue that they got the best player in both of those drafts, right? We can't at that at this time prove that. But like last year, think about it. If Matty Beneers had been picked number one by Buffalo, no one would have been shocked by that, right? Offensively, he was the best player available. Owen Power ended up being the pick because he was the, you know, the, the sexy pick for number one. Everybody expected him to go number one. Buffalo went with the chalk, period. If they had gone with Matty, that wouldn't have been a shock at all, right? No. Now this year, if Shane Wright had been the pick, everyone would have been like, yep, that makes sense. That makes sense for him to be number one. He's always been there. It's no surprise. And somehow he ends up with the Kraken, even though the Kraken had the number four pick. That's, I mean, that's incredible, right? And, And it's, it's luck in a way it's luck, but like, it's awesome. I'm, I'm pumped about it. I think, again, I want to boost people's expectations here. So we have really bad. I am so ready for September, right? Like. Well, training same. camp. Training hey, development camp. camp is this I know week, development so we'll, camp. we'll get yeah, a good nice point. look at them. Good point. should kind yeah. of talk about development camp is coming up next week, so there's options to see these guys play next Yeah, everybody's next yeah. everybody's coming in, it sounds like, everybody that just got picked, so that should be fun. I think that starts on Monday, actually. A couple other things from day one that we wanted to mention before we move on to day two. There was quite the local flair to day one, the first round of the draft. Actually, three players who potentially could be in the Thunderbirds lineup went in the first round. Kevin Korczynski, most notably, went at number seven overall to Chicago. And that was a really interesting thing, the way that that played out, because Alex DeBrinkett got traded earlier in the day. Blockbuster trade, right? He goes to the Senators, the Nottawa Senators, <laughs> Senators, uh, for a, what was it, a second round pick, a third round pick, and then this number seven overall. And the number seven overall ends up being local prospect, Seattle Thunderbirds defenseman Kevin Korczynski. So I thought that was really cool, right? I mean, effectively, you're trading one of the top goal scorers in the league 
for an 18 year old kid that we just watched Seattle play, <laughs> you know, take Seattle through the uh, WHL championship series. So that was awesome. Later in the first round, we also had Brad Lambert get picked who he hasn't actually played for the Thunderbirds, but he could be because he was traded from Saskatoon his to the Thunderbirds. Yeah, his, his rights CHL rights. Yeah. So there's a chance that he plays for the Thunderbirds this year. And then at 32 overall, the very last pick of the first round, Reed Schaefer got picked up as well. So. I, I I actually love the last pick of the first round because yeah. that's the big... Well, your first rounder. Yeah, the right? big TV event. <laughs> and if you're kind of close, if you're a candidate, you want to be there, right? Yeah. Because you get to go on stage and everything. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, lot of guys that don't get to go on stage are probably bummed out they're not a first rounder and don't go the first night but that 32nd i remember ryan johnson in uh in vancouver uh getting selected i was so psyched for him he got selected by buffalo uh, last pick uh in vancouver and i thought it was the coolest thing for that guy to get picked yeah and uh morgan geeky's brother connor geeky goes number 11 overall to arizona there was a funny bit on twitter where somebody who apparently is a big morgan geeky fan wrote morgan geeky sighting in the crowd that's uh at geeks girl so you would assume that that's a big morgan geeky fan has morgan geeky as her or yeah it's got girl in there i assume it's a her uh as her profile picture uh somebody wrote back where she said idk they did an audience shot and i could recognize that bald ass head anywhere and then morgan geeky himself jumped in and said hey watch it <laughs> which i wonder how he even came across that but uh that was pretty hilarious uh his brother also almost fell down the stairs. He caught himself, which uh, good for him. Showed some balance and strength in his ankles. Good I core. Guess. Yep, yeah, good core. Yep. And finally, we got to call out Maverick Lamoureux's parents, who oh. uh, the camera shot or like switched over to them as his as their kid was up on stage accepting his selection from the Arizona Coyotes, and they did a kiss, but it was a pretty aggressive kiss. They both seem to like lead with the tongue, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I thought was a little odd. And then the ESPN folks uh, really were like eating it up. Ooh, that's not a good way to describe that. But they were really <laughs> laughing at it. I'm going to play you the audio here. Cross to the high level of cross. Yeah. Imagine him on the on the lax field. Good to go. Oh, okay. Okay. Get some. All right. Go. Why nice? Hey, we're in. Come for- on now. Hey, we're in. <laughs> it's nighttime in, in Quebec. Get after it, mom and dad. It's almost oh, 11. Oh. It's nighttime in Quebec. Boots, what are you laughing at down there? So good stuff there. Uh, and man, if you're Maverick Lamro and now everyone is talking about you because your parents made out on national TV. Uh, that's that's tough, right? Yeah, that is tough. That is tough. Imagine having that conversation later. Like, did you guys have to? make out in the crowd like could you have just had a normal kiss would that have been okay right biggest day of his life still about his parents that's right (laughs) so we move on to day two uh so at this point at this point the kraken still have 11 picks 12 yeah 11 picks total had to think about that for a second uh they end up going with what combination of players john can we get a little data dump on uh who they want to you want a basic readout yeah give me a little breakdown of what they went okay so they would end up trading one of those 11 Mm -hmm. right to move up in the draft so they ended up drafting six centers yep two defensemen one goalie and then two right wings. Yeah, so eight forwards total. Yes. Yeah. Last year, they, they selected a player, one player from the following leagues, OHL, WHL, QMJHL, USHL, Liga, NCA, and then a Russian Junior League. This year, five players selected from the OHL. Uh, that's where Shane writes from. Mm-hmm. One player in the WHL, two players from high school, one, I think, in Boston, one in Minnesota, somebody from Junior A, the BCHL, and uh, Junior Finnish League, and then... 
one from the Pro Finish League. So quite the change from last year. So nationality-wise, they had seven Canadians, two Finnish players, and two U.S. players. So no Russians and no Swedes. No, all the Russians went really to Carolina Hurricanes. Adam Larson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting mix of players, and I think what stuck out to me most there was just how many guys they took from the OHL. And after that's after a season when I think the OHL was kind of underrepresented because they didn't get to play, right? right. So yeah. do you think that's a coincidence? Because like, they did take at least one overager, I think, from the OHL. Like, I just wonder how many of those guys got passed up last year that yeah. then got another chance as an overager. Two, actually. Two yeah. overagers from the OHL. Yeah, but uh, I wonder if that was, you know, that's just me speaking anecdotally about the Kraken. I wonder if that was a across the board how it played out i don't know so actually overall i have that okay at my disposal well too. do tell there were 26 ohl players selected last year okay 35 this year all right so, so that's a pretty big jump so that is that is quite the jump whl and remember they had a shortened season they had 32 last year and they have 28 this year so ah. so little drop that's yeah that's probably a little trade-off in the ushl as well as the national uh development program they had 37 which if you throw the national team development program in with the ushl they had the most out of all the leagues hmm. That's interesting. Yep. Uh, okay, good stuff there. Curtis, I do want to ask you who some of your kind of favorite picks were from today. I mean, it's hard to run through each and every one of them. Um, we're not writing a manifesto here. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, you can look to Sound of Hockey for that. <laughs> Soundofhockey.com, search for Curtis's name. Uh, but no, who were some of your favorite picks from from today? Yeah, I think we'll start with the name of the episode, Jagger Furcus. The was Furcus a, Circus, yeah. The Furcus Circus was uh, a really interesting one. You know, he's a, um, he came at the number 35 overall, the Kraken's first second round pick. Uh, he was, you know, looking at the uh, on Sound of Hockey, we developed a composite big board, which was looking at a bunch of different scouting and public reporting. And when you say we, you mean you, you entirely Just, you. A yep. lot of credit to you. That was mm-hmm. an awesome, awesome work there. By the way, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. go. I'll go with we. Let's let's okay. spread the blame the royal, around. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. blame. yeah. <laughs> so uh, so we had 19 scouting sources there, and uh, his his Jagger Ferguses overall, you know, rating on those boards was he was ranked 21 first overall. Mm -hmm. So to get him or no, excuse me, 26th overall. To get him at 35th overall was a good get there. Nice uh, value. Yeah, he's he's known for uh, known for his shot, mm-hmm. a pure scoring winger, from from what I understand. Uh, so also an interesting fit for when you think about the Seattle Kraken, right? You know, it's when you look at you know how they manage their expansion draft or how they've how they've managed free agency, it's not really just the the person who's going to put the puck in the net. They've wanted well-rounded players, and yeah. uh, which which makes this pick particularly interesting. Is he a well rounded player or is he just good enough at putting the puck in the net that makes it you know makes you want to carry him even if he's not the 200 foot player yeah and he's i think he's got a chance to be an nhler but he's very very small right now so i think it's going to be a while he's i think he said he's 158 pounds right now so he's he's got a ways to go i'm sure but um it is definitely intriguing pick i think it's always a good sign when you pick somebody in the second round who clearly has first round talent right that's I think that's just outstanding to, to get that kind of thing. Um, and that wasn't the only guy that they got who I think was a really value pick. Who else did uh, yeah. stuck out to you? Yeah, a couple others stuck out. David Goyette, who mm-hmm. is, uh, came in at number 61, their final second round pick. Scott Wheeler of The Athletic called him his absolute favorite pick in the draft. But Scott Wheeler also, uh, well, not pick, prospect, his favorite prospect in the draft. But 
he spelled favorite uh, F-A-V-O-U-R-I-T-E, which would be the Canadian way of spelling it. So I don't know if I trust that so opinion. we're not sure if that's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, did, he did rank him number 20 overall, so maybe favorite means mm-hmm. 20th favorite. That, okay. That might be it. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, David Goyette came in at number 39 overall uh, on you know the composite public boards. To, so to get him at 61, a uh, good, good result. He's a, a center from the Sudbury Wolves in the OHL, uh, according to scouts known as a you know playmaker also good score definitely an offensive uh offensive minded prospect there good and ty nelson uh wanted to call him out he's got a uh, an incredible haircut which is completely shaven chauvin around the sides and the back and then on the top it kind of looks like a bowl of noodles uh he also had quite the outfit on he had like a powder blue fedora and for some reason throughout the nhl network broadcast of day two he was like everywhere. Somehow he was in every camera shot. And maybe it's because we just noticed him because of the fedora. But like every time they looked at the crowd, it's like, oh, there's Ty Nelson again. There he is. There's Ty Nelson. Absolutely. So, yeah. And Ty Nelson was the last one that I wanted to highlight too. Oh, good. Num- okay. Number 46 uh, on the composite ranking board. He was, uh, the Kraken took him at 68th overall, their third round pick. So he's a right shot defenseman from uh, the North Bay Battalion in the OHL. Yeah. Uh, so a prospect there whose production has been good and uh, get some pretty decent reports on his defense as well. Great. They did end up trading a fourth rounder and a fifth rounder to get an extra third, which uh, we mentioned earlier. That ended up being a player named Ben McDonald, who actually has been playing high school hockey or uh, I guess it's like academy hockey. I don't know what you call that uh, in in uh, Massachusetts. It's like a boarding school type of thing that he's at. So. Uh, I think that they've done well here. You know, I think when we see start seeing the, the grades that people put out, I think that the Kraken are going to get high marks for this draft from the prognosticators. I think a lot of that's going to be driven by what they took at the top of the draft. I think they got some uh, good value compared to where people had these players ranked. Um, so I think that's a, a great sign. You know, I think that doesn't always mean much. I think like Riker Evans last year, new friend of the pod, right? I think he's a good indication of how those grades can be skewed in the opposite direction, right? Because nobody had Riker Evans going anywhere close to the top of the second round. That's where he went last year. But I mean, I think we're going to see some really positive reactions here to what the Kraken did in this draft. And I think that's a great, great sign. Yeah. And we did some analysis on this a couple months ago about Mm -hmm. um, evaluating how Ron Francis's draft picks did when he was in Carolina. And it's it's kind of those middle rounds that he would do like above average yeah. than kind of what would be typically the forecast at that position. So the fact that, you know, there was a lot of second, third rounders, that's kind of good when you think of Ron Francis's history too, right? Because let's be real, like not all these guys are going to make it to the NHL, but if you can hit on a few of them and the fact that he literally had six swings at, between second and third rounders, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. If you can hit 50%, that's way above average. Yeah, if, so, if three or four of these guys become NHL contributors as yeah. opposed to two or three, yeah, that's they, the they, difference, right? The expectations there are that they aren't going to be like a top line forward or whatever, but, you know, if you can turn it into, like, I, I think of Morgan Geeky, you know, we still need some more time under his belt, but, you know, he was a third rounder and he can play in the NHL. He's got some um, some time left to kind of prove himself too. And he's young. So, but that was a Francis pick in Carolina. So I think about that range. Good stuff. What I love is that we're through the draft now and there's lots of exciting stuff coming up. We have free agency happening. We have development camp and also, oh, by the way, suddenly the Kraken have a prospect pool, which they simply didn't have before. And in one day they went from having 
almost no prospects in their system to having a pretty good stock of prospects suddenly. So um, that's the beauty of making all those trades at the deadline. We started to see that kind of play out today and, and uh, cool stuff. Yeah, there. and I've read plenty of articles where they're like, they went through each team's need, right? Mm -hmm. What do they need in the prospect pool? Usually it's forward, death, goalies, whatever, right-handed defenseman, whatever. Kraken, it was always depth. Mm -hmm. They needed depth and they got it today. So that's pretty cool. That's right. I mean, I, uh, like everyone, I was glued to the Stanley Cup finals. I mean, you see you see the avalanche, you see the lightning, uh, you see teams playing at an incredibly high level. And you think back and you're like, oh, my gosh, how could the Kraken ever get to this level? <laughs> uh, how could they ever be this team? They're, they're so far off. And it's a day like today. That's yeah. it, it doesn't happen overnight, but it's a day like today that gets you closer because if you want to go out and look, the Colorado Avalanche had two picks in this draft, a sixth round pick and a seventh round pick. <laughs> And okay. the seventh round pick was the absolute last pick in the draft. <laughs> Absolutely. So if they hadn't picked that player and that player had been overage, they could have just signed them. So yeah, it's, you know, very little draft capital. Uh, and so you look at coming out of today, what the Kraken did versus what the Avalanche did. It's a step to close that gap. Now, it's a long long journey to get there. It's a big gap. But this is how you have to do it. You yeah. can't solve all your problems through free agency. I actually do like that we haven't talked about the uh, Finnish goalie that they selected, right? It's a kind of a big Finnish goalie in the, in I believe, the second round as well. And those are goalies we've talked about how it takes them a lot longer to, to make it to the NHL. But if there's a kind of a goalie you want, it's a Finnish goalie. And, That's true. You know, three or four years from now, timing's right for maybe that player to develop and come over here. Again, it's too early, the second rounder. But I like the little, the bet that they put put down there. So yeah. it's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, the goalie they selected in the second round, Nicholas Kako, he's he's maybe, you know, the Riker Evans type pick in this draft. He was kind of not really on the radar. He was number 293 on our board, but went off the board uh, at number 58 in the draft. And we heard from Ron Francis after the draft today that there were only a couple of goalies that the team liked in this draft. Uh, one went off the board before Nicholas Kako. It was Topias Leninen, another Finnish goalie, actually, yeah. which makes me think perhaps the Kraken only liked perhaps those two and maybe a saw, couple. Uh, saw one go off the board and they're like, all right, we better pick a yeah, goalie. Yeah. Exactly right. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of start to understand, you know, if there are only a couple goalie prospects you like in this draft, uh, you got three picks in the range of 58 to 68. Okay, you nab one there. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it'll be interesting to follow him because he's almost as much fun as it is to say, oh, we knew that guy ahead of time. It's just as fun to say, okay, Riker Evans. Let's see what he's all about. Let's <laughs> yeah. see what Nicholas Kako is all about. Yeah, that's right. Last thing that I want to close on, and I'm kind of bringing it back full circle to talk a little bit more about Shane Wright, because why not? His press conference, and you know, there's definitely this thing playing out in the media where, oh, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. He's going to be pissed off because he got passed up, whatever. And I just wanted to say, like, I watched his press conference He's surrounded by a ton of media, right? Because he's an early pick. He was supposed to go number one. It's a, it's a, it's a Furcus circus. There is what it is, <laughs> a media Furcus circus, and the Canadian media is just railing on the fact that he got. It's like you got to be disappointed, right? Like, how are you handling this? Did you prepare yourself for something like this to happen? And he just kept saying exactly the right things. He's like, you know what? I'm really excited right now. I just got drafted number four overall in the NHL. This is my dream. It's a dream come true. I'm so excited for to work, play for Seattle. And also like, I can't wait to prove to people that they made the wrong decision. You know, it's just like, I couldn't believe that this was the point of the press conference for the biggest moment in this kid's life, right? Is that all these media uh, people that are, that are there in Montreal just had to like kind of almost rip on him for getting picked 
three spots later than he expected to go. Right. And in the scheme of things, it's just nothing. But um, that was interesting to see. Another interesting point from that. He was asked if he wants to play for Team Canada at the World Junior Championships, which, again, that's coming up in August because they've rescheduled it. He said, oh, yeah, of course, I would, I would want to do that. I mean, why wouldn't I want to play for my country? And Ron Francis was asked a similar question, like, does the team want him to play? And he looked at whoever asked the question was like, do I want the team? No, absolutely not. I do not. <laughs> I do not want him to play. Uh, so I think that's interesting. We'll see what happens there. I, I have to think that the Kraken will kind of lean towards not sending Shane Wright to the World Junior Championship. But uh, hey, this has been a lot of fun. Curtis, thank you very much for uh, filling in for Andy here today. I think you brought some very good draft knowledge. So it was great to have you along. And it's great to have you along at Sound of Hockey in general because you've been doing some good stuff. So uh, again, give Curtis a follow at Deep Sea Hockey and read his stuff. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. All right. For Sound of Hockey, I am Darren Brown. Please do subscribe on Stitcher, subscribe on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave your five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we will read it on the next episode, uh, which we will have coming up sometime in the next few days, I guess. I don't know. We haven't really sorted that out yet. (laughs) Either way, we'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Cheers.